Good morning, Liberty. Ah, back to the good band. Bringing us in for this Good Morning Liberty Friday. What is going on? Not much, dude. Uh, I'm just, I'm, you know, we were out late last night, and I've had a tough day recovering. And by late, I mean it was like, what, 1030, something like that. You know, for us, the for the later stages of millennial, millennialism, <laughs> which is where Nate and I are we're, at, we're, we're at so, the back end. We're in late stage millennialism right now. That's we, what it's called. We barely made it into the millennial category, yeah. but uh, here we are, young and vibrant <laughs> on the older side of that millennialism yeah that's kind of a tough word to say it really is but what i wanted to do is welcome everyone back to the good morning liberty show on this friday it's feeling good i'm about to leave the house and celebrate my kid's birthday today happy birthday to your kid we actually celebrated last week uh last weekend with my family in town went to the good old chuck e cheeses (laughs) and today since he doesn't listen to podcasts yet i can let you guys know uh that we are going to go to top golf because Literally about a month ago, we went to Top Golf with another friend of mine, and who has kids as well. So it was a kids party mm. as well as an adult party, and I could not get my son off the driving range. Nice, which is a positive sign for me because I like to golf a lot. There you go. So this is good news for someone who likes to golf mm. a lot. If yeah. your kid will not stop, uh, you know, hitting yeah. the golf ball. Well, he even knows. Have you ever been to Top Golf? Yeah. He knows yeah. how to get the ball, like how nice. to hit the laser yeah. to get the ball out, and then he picks it up and sets it on the tee and takes a whack at it. If you guys have never it's been awesome. to a top golf, I really recommend it. It's really fun. You don't have to be good at golf. Mm-mm. That's why I still like going to do it uh, because I'm real bad at golf, but it is fun to go. It's like going bowling, only there's a, a driving range in front of you, and uh, it's like you're sitting at a Buffalo Wild Wings bowling alley uh, with the driving range in front of you. So, yeah. yeah, really, really fun stuff. But we have to get to some a little bit more important stuff than than Top Golf today. Uh, we've got a couple news items that are we're going to talk about. Are you saying my kid's not important? No, no, that's not what I'm saying. Actually, you and I have been whatsoever. friends for a long time, but I, we will. <laughs> We will fight over this. <laughs> can we get it live? We are stepbrothers. We're not even blood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can. Uh, we can get into a fight live if you want to do that. We'll do that. Um, I know you care about. No, my son. so so you guys, don't watch him nearly enough though. I don't. Yeah. We don't let anyone come to our house anymore <laughs> at all. Actually, my wife and I are yeah. remodeling our kitchen, um, which is a disaster, by the way. If you decide you're going to repaint your own kitchen cabinets. And uh, and then also get a new countertop, a new backsplash, and all that kind of stuff. Just don't. And unfortunately, if you're like me and you know how to do all of those things, then you're screwed, is, is what that is. So we don't let anyone come to our house anymore because it is a disaster area that uh, it, you just can't really have people in safely. Yeah. I might get sued if people come there. You know what's kind of funny? Yeah. As you keep trying to get to the important Liberty stuff and yeah. I keep distracting yeah. you <laughs> about, you know, it's a Friday, right? Everybody's yeah. got to relax and just have a good time. We There's all kinds of news to get to, but I just wanted to talk about my son real quick. And I think people appreciate that. Yeah, it's fairly important. They do. So everyone that's listening... Uh, if you get a chance, go wish my son a happy birthday on our Facebook wall. Yeah, go do, go do we'll that. See how many, so we'll see how, how much people actually care. <laughs> go to Good Morning Liberty <laughs> and post happy birthday Parker on our wall. Okay. Yes. So other than that, you let's... should subscribe to the podcast, yes. which is the second thing <laughs> that we need to mention before we get to the news. Uh, we mention this every single time because it's very important. 
And a lot of you guys are doing it because we see the numbers go up and up and up and up and up. And so if you uh, are new to the show, then hit that subscribe button. And what that does is it brings our podcast, the very next episode to your phone or podcast listening device directly. There's nothing else you can do. You've already discovered us and you've been amazed. So now you just hit subscribe. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And it's done. All right. Now, are we ready? Let's do the news. Or the news. Okay. So once again, we don't talk about impeachment very often because it's kind of it's a done deal. The House is going to impeach Trump. I can't really tell if there's anything really of substance coming out of this whatsoever. Um, it's really difficult. You know, the, the problem, I put a note in here, the problem with the, just say that the left doing this is that when you look across the country and college campuses and places where they have protests and things like that, um, you know, the the left has a bit of a history of just shutting people down that they don't like Mm -hmm. and not allowing them to speak or kind of throwing a fit is what I would call it. Like they're like a child would. Um, So this, it makes me wonder if this impeachment inquiry is just like the, the older political representation of that ideology. Whereas they're, you know, they're not protesting and holding the sign up in front of Trump's face while he's trying to talk. But since they are in political power, they're doing anything that they can to to stop him from from existing. Oh, it's purely a political so, move. Yeah, it's a. I mean, I even was reading in here some of their. They're going back and forth on what their strategy should be for how soon they move this uh, impeachment forward. They're, the Democratic strategists are saying that maybe they need to do it before the primary elections, and they need to, you know, like these things are actually being determined literally by the fact that there are political elections coming up, which is crazy to me yeah. that it's actually not about the truth. No, that's as you can no. tell that from that right there. And you know, it's, it's, it's amazing to me that you can't investigate someone running for president like Joe Biden. Yeah. But you can impeach somebody running for president like yeah. Trump. Yeah. That's which, not a political <laughs> that's yeah. Right. That's not, there's no political motive there. Yeah. Right. So what about the democratic uh, convention interfering with the presidential election versus you yeah know, versus a foreign party interfering. So you know, what's the difference in my in, in in the estimation? It's like, look, if you're running for president, you can be scrutinized in any way possible. Yeah, like you know, what does uh look if you're doing business dealings in a foreign country? I don't, you don't have the same protections in my opinion. So you're going to be scrutinized when you're running for president. They'll pull up all kinds of clips like locker room talk and all kinds of things. And the public can decide whether or not that hurts your chances of being president. So this whole thing, the the whole thing, like I've said from the beginning, and we guys gave you the what exactly is going to happen. It's all a dog and pony show. That's exactly what it is. And they're doing it to try to curry favor with the Democrats so that when the election comes up, Trump doesn't get reelected. But I think it's ultimately going to backfire. It'll be blowback. I, I think, think it will too. I think Trump's going to get reelected because of this. I'm I'm questionable on that, but I, I do think this is going to be overall a negative thing for them because they're not uncovering anything that people already didn't know. We've already talked about this before earlier in the week, or maybe it was at the end of last week. Like, if if uh, you know, I don't like foreign aid. If Trump was in fact withholding foreign aid to try and see if there was some kind of corruption between a our former vice president and nepotism and him getting money allocated to his family in some kind of way. Um, 
I'm completely fine with whatever we have to do to see if that is something that took place. Uh, I, I really just don't care. And we're not even people who just talk positively about Trump all the time. We criticize him when he does things that we don't like. And we uh, will talk good about him when he does things that we do like. And in this instance, I just... I hope that they find good ways of uncovering corruption around the world between our government and other officials, and this might be one of them. But I wanted to read this story. This is from Fox News. <clears throat> it's from Fox News. On the, Trump was on Fox and Friends this morning, and so he was on there saying, I'll go ahead and tell you, the headline is, Trump on Fox and Friends, House Dems looked like fools this week. Upcoming FISA report will be historic. So they've got this Pfizer report coming out on the whole thing that started this Russia collusion investigation. You know, you've heard everyone talk about the Steele dossier and the and the Pfizer the the spying on President Trump. Well, they're they've been <clears throat> putting a, an investigation together on this and trying to figure out whether or not this was a corrupt investigation in itself. And it very well might have been that that might end up being what they find. So uh, <clears throat> President Trump said Friday that Democrats look like fools during the public impeachment inquiry hearings this week and predicted that the release of Department of Justice Inspector General Michael Horowitz's report on allegations of Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act FISA warrant abuse will be historic in a phone interview on Fox and Friends. Uh, you know what? You know what we should just do? We should play the uh, we should play the interview because um, it's actually it's actually pretty funny. Yeah, I want to hear this. I love I kind of I just love listening to the way that he talks about this stuff. It's so funny. All right, let me see. We'll go to this, and here is. So my conversation was a perfect conversation. Uh, the Ukrainian president said, "What are they talking about? They must think we're nuts in this country." And this conversation was flawless. It was appropriate. It was perfect. <laughs> Uh, it was nice. It was everything. And they even said that. They came out and said it. Now, compare that, and they try and impeach. And by the way, they've looked like fools over the last five days. This, these interviews were have been, and these were their witnesses. These were this was the best they've got. Now, Adam Schiff is a sick puppy. He is a. Uh, it's, it's been incredible. Now, what you're going to see, I predict, will be perhaps the biggest scandal in the history of our country. Political scandal. But I guess that's the biggest, because what's more important uh, what than are you talking about? What do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? I think you're going to see things that are going to be incredible if it's if it's done right. And I purposely stay out. Uh, I tell Bill Barr to handle everything. I wouldn't have to. I could get very much involved, but I purposely don't. And I haven't. And you know what? It's better that way, I guess. I have, I don't have any obligation legally to do that. But I've let them handle it. So you have a Pfizer report coming out, which the word is, it's historic. That's what the word is. That's what I hear. And if it's historic, you're going to see something. And then perhaps even more importantly, you have uh, Durham coming out shortly thereafter. He's the U.S. Okay. So anyway, wanted to go ahead and play that for you guys real quick. So he's talking about this. He's talking about this FISA court warrant, the thing that was used to spy on his campaign. And it's going to be really, really interesting to see if this was some kind of a corrupt warrant to spy on him for political reasons, to to spy on him and try to find whether or not he was doing anything anything dirty. And the reason I wanted to bring this up was be we already talked about this a little bit earlier in the week, but the they've just passed an extension 
of the Patriot Act, which is what allows for this FISA court warrant in the first place. So it's really important for Republicans and Democrats to understand that this is a process and this is a system that's always going to be corrupted. This entire investigation that started the entire Russia collusion hoax, if you want to call it that, was only started because we allow for the FISA court to to exist. And then we allow spying on American citizens. Um, so just be mindful of the fact when you when you think that you know, maybe you can control it and keep it from becoming corrupt. Uh, you, you, you really can't. You really can't. And in this case, it might have hurt your guy a lot. So just, just uh, keep that in mind. I just love. It's I perfect. just love the way that he talks. It was a perfect phone call. It's a yeah. It was flawless. <laughs> and the uh, it's going to be a and uh, what what do you say a historic. Yeah, this is the the greatest political scandal in the history. Schiff is a of, sick puppy. <laughs> <laughs> He's a sick puppy. Oh man, it's, <laughs> it's funny. It's so good. Like it's just, uh, man. What is what is the word for that? I don't I don't know. I can't keep. I can't really describe his caricature. It's it's really yeah. just the Trump caricature. Yeah, it's Trump. That's what it is. That's what it is. It's like how he lives his everyday life. <laughs> Could you imagine like being on the board in one of his companies or something? Yeah. You know, like what uh hearing a boss talk like that all the time. <laughs> like, do you have the most amazing report available for me yeah. this morning? <laughs> Let me tell you, Trump, this is the most incredible report you're gonna see in the history of reports. <laughs> hey, um do you wanna do this uh the next article here from Daily Wire? Yeah, I it's do. the title article for the show. So we've got some stuff to talk about here. We're gonna skip forward to that already. It's the next thing in the in the list. Well, I was wondering if, if we had any more comments on this whole FISA thing. And what do you sure. are you going to speculate sure. about this? I I or just I leave did. the speculation in the wind. I think it's going to come out that uh, this was a uh, probably politically corrupt FISA court warrant to spy on a person who was running for president well, in the Republican think, Party. Do you think Obama's going to go to jail over this? No. Okay. No, I think a lot of people. I think a lot of people are going to kill themselves in prison. Probably. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's probably what's going to happen. They're going to be suicided. Yeah. All right. Okay. Now we can move on. Okay. I just needed that real quick. All right. From you. Go ahead. All right. So this from the Daily Wire. Thanks, Ben. Uh, Man decides to fight climate change with surgery for his testicles. (laughs) A 38-year-old man has become the latest person to trumpet his dedication to fighting climate change by doing something unusual. Getting a vasectomy. Wes Seiler, 38, writes an outside outline, I'm sorry, outside online, that once he got engaged to his fiance in June 2018, he started planning for the future. It wasn't just my dog Wiley and me against the world anymore. All of a sudden, I started thinking 10 to 20 or more years ahead. Well, congratulations, Wes. Welcome to critical thinking. Yeah. (laughs) Welcome to life. Thinking ahead. This also reminds me of the uh, the one man Wolfpack speech that, yeah. that Zach Galifianakis's character gave in The Hangover. Mm-hmm. I was a one man Wolfpack, and then I met Doug, and became a two man Wolfpack. Anyway, continuing on from the article, Siler cites the wildfire that destroyed Paradise, California, which is no longer Paradise, I guess. No, in November of 2018. The Woosley fire that wiped out portions of Malibu the same month and the flooding of the Mississippi River that lasted the first six months of 2019, adding, and of course, the whole Donald Trump thing that has been going on. (laughs) 
which clearly has to do with climate change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Siler asks rhetorically, is this a world we want to bring kids into? Is this a world it's responsible to bring kids into? He comments that he and his fiance started talking about something we could do for ourselves and to make a meaningful impact on the bigger problem. We could just forego the whole kid thing altogether. He concludes, it might not be enough to save the polar bear. It might not prevent the next campfire, but this is the absolute biggest difference we can make. We need fewer humans and getting there voluntarily voluntarily will be an awful lot less painful than doing it with war, famine and natural disaster. You know, I, I, while I copied this, I wasn't thinking about it, but there's a really positive thing from this in the fact that maybe people who think like this are just going to out them, you know, get rid of themselves over time. That's one. I you will, know? I will actually say that, um, him that believes this kind of thing, <clears throat> him doing this on his own is great. Yeah. Like yeah. if this is what you truly believe and you're going to act it out. Great. Don't force anyone else to do it. Yeah, um, um, you're absolutely <laughs> insane. I would say, Wes <laughs> Siler. Um, yeah, so but, maybe it's good he's not going to have kids. Yeah, overall. Yeah, you and your fiance just go ahead and and, and stick <clears throat> stick to the plan is yeah. what I would say. This is uh, it's quite hilarious because you know, really the uh, whole climate change and all of these natural disasters and, and wildfires and stuff, they they act like as if we haven't had this before. Yeah. Like, do you know the Mississippi River flowed backwards for about a year after an earthquake? <laughs> yeah. And this was this was when the world had about what four billion people. Yeah, there there's so, there's a problem with the climate change mentality and the fact that it causes people to have this kind of mentality based on things that are not true. Like the he literally said, it might not be enough to save the polar bear. A quick Google search could tell you that the polar bear population is increasing, even though that they've been saying it was going to decrease. This study from Climate Depot, polar bear numbers reach new highs. Population increases to the highest levels in decades. Far from the 2007 predictions of a 67% decline in global polar bear numbers, the new report reveals that numbers have risen to the highest level in decades. The U.S. Geological Survey estimated the global population of polar bears at 24,500 in 2005. In 2015, they estimated at 26,000. But additional surveys published 2015 and 2016 brought the total number to near 28,500. However, data published in 2018 brought the number to 29,500. And yet, this, this guy, th these are the highest global estimates since the bears were first started being protected by the treaty in 1973. Yet this guy literally is getting his testicles snipped because the polar bear population is declining. He could literally Google it and it would take him two seconds to find out that that's not true. Whatsoever. Has he already got him clipped? <clears throat> I think he did. I don't know. We can try to warn him really quick and tell him that the polar bears are okay. No, I, I want to make sure he follows through with okay. this. Okay, okay. He'll check back. And then he talks about the forest and forest fires. I mean... You could also do a quick Google search and see that we have more trees now than we did a hundred years ago. Hmm. And we also have more people, by the way. We have more people and we have more trees. And so it's not just immediately obvious. This, uh, let's see, news headlines report, a world constantly beset by deforestation, uh, but new 
Yeah, but new research suggests the planet may not be as tree-damaged as once thought. Although agricultural expansion in the tropics has swallowed vast areas of the rainforest, climate change has allowed a greater number of new trees to grow in areas previously too cold to support them. Scientists at the University of Maryland analyzed satellite pictures showing how the use of land on planet Earth has altered over a 35-year period. The study, published in the Nature Journal, is the largest of its kind ever conducted. The research suggests an area covering 2.24 million square kilometers, roughly the combined land surface of Texas and Alaska, which are the two you know, biggest states, has been added to global tree cover since 1982. This equates to 7% of the Earth's surface covered by new trees. Wow, imagine that. Yeah, it says the findings may appear to contradict the long-established view that forests are being destroyed. A report from the UN's Food and Agriculture Organization, for example, says there has been a net loss of 1.29 million square kilometers, but this contradicts that. The new study says that they've... I can keep reading a bunch of numbers for you guys, but basically what it's saying is that while we've lost trees in Brazil and other places... Those have been offset by gains in Europe, Asia, and North America. Mm-hmm. So there's actually still there's more trees than there were at that point in time. There's just a lot of issues with that, and this is why we fight these lies all the time. This is why we talk about this because this is what it does to people's mentalities. Now this guy, you know, he has to take responsibility for not seeking the truth on his own. But this is what it does to people's mentalities. This guy goes and gets himself. Uh, a vasectomy based on things that are not even true whatsoever that he didn't take two seconds to Google. These were some of the first results that came up whenever I Googled this. And then you, he starts talking about wildfires, things like that. The deadliest wildfire on record, I pulled it up. Let me see. <clears throat> According to the statistics presented by MDAT, E-M-D-A-T, I wonder what that is. Hmm. Emer- emergency it's- Management Department of Appropriation of Trees. We'll just say that's what it is. <laughs> the most fatal forest fire was one that began in parts of the United States on the 15th of October in 1918. It is believed to uh, that around 1,000 people died in this particular forest fire that was in Minnesota and Wisconsin. This was in 1918, by the way, not, not in 2018. Then you've got the worst hurricane on record, which is the Galveston Hurricane, which took place in 1900. Okay. We didn't even have cars all around at that time. I don't think that was due to climate change, really. Then we've got the tri-state tornado, which is one of the longest and most deadly hurricane or tornadoes ever recorded. That was in what 1930 something. I don't know. Really, you know, really early 1900s, and we perpetrate this mentality now. Especially, we're doing it to our to our kids. Don't do this to your kids, Charlie. Mm-mm. We're doing this to our kids. And we're filling their heads with a bunch of things that just aren't true. And then they they grow up and they do things like getting the vasectomy when they're 30-something years old. Because if we have too many people, the world's going to be destroyed. You, you want to know what the populations were for those time periods? What's that? So the earliest estimates we have in 1900, the population was 1.6 billion. Um, and in 1927 was 2 billion. So we only gained between those 27 years, 400 million people in 1850. It was 1.2 billion. So as far back as we can go, which this estimates all the way back to 5,000 BC, um, which was 5 million people. Um, and now our current population sits at 7.7 billion. 
So yeah. even though we've added about seven times more people, uh, the worst cases on history tend to be back when we had seven times less people. Yeah. Well, at one point in time during the 1800s, uh, I believe it was 1800s, um, when we were crossing like over a billion people, everyone was saying that we were never going to be able to have enough food to support all these people, that people were just going to be starving to death. Our population was growing too large. There was nothing we could do about it. And then, of course, what do we do? We come up with new ways to grow food. Mm -hmm. We come up with tractors and combines and planters and all these things that help us grow way more food right now than we were growing at that point in time. And But at that, at that time, everyone was saying, oh, there's no way we can support more people. We just can't do it. The point is you can't do it based on the current technology of the time. You can never account for what the new technology is going to be. Not only have we been able to, to actually feed more people, but in freer societies, we've been able to feed people so much that we've become fatter than we've ever been. Yeah, actually eating, so. eating too much food is a, one of the leading causes of death. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's, it's obviously not a problem here in, the, here in the U.S. Look, you have too much chance of survival. Yeah. So Mother Nature still wants to take you out, we, Yeah, by we'll the way. still find some kind of way to kill ourselves, for sure. And uh, the, the thing is... You know, the, the thing we also read about the trees uh, being offset, the ones that we're losing in Brazil and all of those places, then they said, you know, places that now have a slightly warmer climate are able to grow trees. That's a really interesting thing to think about the earth kind of nature, kind of balancing itself like that. Because the more trees you have, you know, they feed off of carbon dioxide, so they can actually help the more they grow, they pop up in these areas where you previously couldn't grow trees. And then we have a lot more trees pop up and then they start feeding off of more carbon dioxide and then they can actually help lower down the levels and restore back to the balance. But we've seen, the, I think we have this feeling that we're a lot bigger force than what we actually are. Right. So uh, we just got to be, <clears throat> but maybe not think of ourselves as that big of a deal. For old Wes here. Uh, Mr. Siler, you know, you continue on. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you don't force me to do the same thing, you go ahead. And look, there's nothing wrong with deciding not to have kids. There's plenty of people that do that. But if you're going to decide not to have kids because of climate change, then honestly, you, you're, well, what's the, what's a nice word? You're ignorant. Yeah. Yeah. But there are other, re you know, other reasons why you can decide not to have kids. But, you know, you continue on with your vasectomy, Mr. Siler. <laughs> And uh, I think that's going to be good for the rest of society. Well, like like I said, it's also like I was just talking about the earth finding its natural balance. You know, maybe humanity will find its natural balance, too, because as more of these leftists decide that to fix the problem, they need to not have kids. Well, then maybe they'll eventually cause themselves to go extinct over time. And that's just nature. That's just humanity finding its balance. Well, what I also like you know? is, you know, the left that wants to push these, uh, you know, like the new green deal and all of that. What I've always said is like, if you actually believe in these principles, why don't you stop driving your car? You know, why don't you stop flying on planes? Why don't you stop using all the things that you say are adding to our catastrophe? Yeah. And so. Good for him for actually believing in something and then taking action. Yeah. If he believes that population is a cause of climate change and there's something that he can do about it, maybe he can inspire other morons to do the same thing. Good for him. Just don't put it in law. So, That's what I like. Quick so, note, I think our live feed got interrupted. Did it? Yeah. Really? I'm not getting 
a SIG. Oh, well, that's too bad. Here. That's too bad. Which is fine. Yeah, I do we'll see that. Release... I got a, I've got a red thing here on um, OBS. It looks like um, our internet might not be doing that well right now. Huh. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, so we're still recording. So we'll still, we'll just do that still. Yeah. Um, anyway. This will still be released. We'll still release this. Right. For sure. Um, we did this talk last night at Middle Tennessee State University uh, here close to Nashville, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And we were talking, uh, thanks to Turning Point USA, bringing us over and having us give a talk to some of their members and some other people that showed up. It was a really good time. I had a, I had a good time going and talking. You know, we really didn't prepare that much beforehand. Actually, you and I did not talk about really structure or what exactly we were going to say beforehand because yesterday was such a busy day. And then we still went there and we were able to kind of go back and forth. I don't know if you noticed that, that we were still able to go back and forth and talk and, and have a good conversation. So I had a really good time doing it. Now, there, there were a few things that we talked about last night that I thought that I noticed that we got a good response from that I don't know that we had said on the podcast yet. So I thought it would be a good thing to maybe talk about. We were talking to them about our, our talk was called Capitalism versus Socialism. So we were trying to make the case for capitalism and the case against socialism. So we were we were trying to make this case. And what I found was one of these stories we told was the story about these Chinese farmers. It's something that happened in 1978. So we're trying to talk about how it's not a great thing to rely on the collective, that if every, everyone's sharing everything, then you'll be able to have great prosperity and everyone's going to be equal and there's going to be this utopia. Actually, the societies where they've done this have not gone very well whatsoever. One thing that happened in this town uh, called Chow Gang, pretty sure is what it was called, in 1978, was this, this group of farmers got together and they decided they were going to come up with a, a secret compact. And what they decided was that they were each going to be able to keep the fruits of their labor on their land, that they were going to have uh, a private property ownership, basically, of that land. And the really cool thing that happened was beforehand, before they allowed each other to keep the fruits of their labor, before that, they would all wait for the bell that rang in the morning to go to go work, and then they would stop as soon as the bell rang in the afternoon, and they would stop working. And what they found was after they instituted this little secret agreement was that people would get up before the bell rang. They would get up before the sun came up to start taking care of their land, and they would stay out through in the, in the night still trying to take care of their land and make sure that they did the best job possible. Because it was theirs. Because it was theirs. And the amazing thing that happened was that the very first, the very first season after they made this agreement, they grew as much food as they had grown in the previous five growing seasons combined all together. They grew over five times as much as what they had been producing every year. And the only thing that changed at that point in time. It was the same people, same land. The only thing that changed was that they allowed for private property, for you to be able to keep the fruits of your labor. And that's a really important lesson to take from history. I even asked the, the people last night, you know, they're all in college. And um, it's a pretty simple test right here. Let's say you show up for your college class and the teacher says on the first day, hey, no matter what happens, don't worry, you're all gonna get an A. Do you think that the students in that class 
would work more hard or less hard on their schoolwork after the teacher tells them that no matter what happens, they're going to get an A? I think you would have a maybe one or two that still take pride in what they do yeah. and they would actually do the work. Uh, the majority of people are not going to. Yeah. And that's what everyone in, in the group that we were talking yeah. to last night said too. I mean, you're obviously, once your teacher says, don't worry, no matter what you do, you're going to get an A, people are going to slack off. And so that's an easy thing to think about with, with a class, but then you also have to apply that to what if it's people who are producing all the things that we need in society, like food. So that's, it's a really important uh, concept to get across to people, that that is just the natural reaction that human beings have, that if you're not responsible for the outcomes, uh, if you don't have any consequences from the outcomes, then you're not going to do as good of a job making sure that you have a good outcome, really. And, uh, and that's what we've seen throughout history with these Chinese. It was the same Chinese farmers, by the way, in that town. Yeah. The same people. And they were all told that they were all going to share everything that the collective produced. So they just weren't putting in the effort. And in the very first time they get told that they can keep the extra from what they produced, five times as much stuff in one year. It's, it's just an amazing example. And this play, this is played out in different societies as well, because one yeah. thing we didn't mention last night, you and I were talking about this morning was the, the America almost never happened by the way, Yeah. because in the 1600s, the first, uh, some of the first pilgrims, uh, in Jamestown and other places, they lived in communes. It's this almost the exact same system where people shared things, uh, farmers, everybody shared things. And uh, a lot of people were starving in in newfound America. Um, and so somewhere in the late 1600s, they had the same idea of private property ownership. And once they did that, then America thrived and everybody wanted to move there. Yeah. Um, because you could own your own land. You could work your own land. You could keep the fruits of your own labor, which incentivizes you to do more. Yeah. Um, we are incentive based creatures. Like if you don't have a reason to get out of bed, most of the time you're not going to get out of bed. Yeah. Right. <laughs> if you don't have any motivation to get you to the gym, you're not going to the gym. Right. You see a lot of people who first start dating and you can say, I'm guilty of this. Even. <laughs> Everyone is. Everyone is. But if you are going to get back into the dating game, one of the first things you do is sign up for a new gym membership. <laughs> try to make yourself look better. Right. Why yeah. is that now? Because you're in competition with everyone else, men and women, both you're in competition with everyone else for uh, love and affection. And you want to get the best love and affection that you can find. Well, it also happens in your relationships later. I think everyone is slightly guilty of this. Maybe not. I don't know. But when you first get into a relationship and you feel like it's something that you still have to prove and you have to work for, what you see is that people are a lot more affectionate and they try to put in a lot more time to make sure that people know that they love each other. And, you know, 15 years down the road, when you feel like it's a for sure thing and you don't really have to work towards it anymore, this happens a lot to people that you don't put in all the effort that you used to. Right. So once you decide that the effort is not required for you to still be in this relationship, you, you slack off on the effort. And that applies to everything that humans do. You basically everything. You stop dating. Yeah. You know, which is what you shouldn't do if you want a long, successful marriage. You need to keep dating your partner. Yeah. And this goes for men and women, right? Because women love the chase and men love it just as much, right? 
Uh, men still need to feel all the things that they felt when you first started dating and women need to feel all the things they felt when you first started dating. But if you take away that incentive structure, like a long marriage where the person uh, is tied to you, then that reduces your, let's say, urge to make those decisions. And this plays out in any in any place in life, right? Uh, you have to work towards those things and you have to have that responsibility and that ownership that provides you that incentive. You know, the reason why entrepreneurs do what they do is because of profit. Yeah. Like I'm doing what I do because I have the chance to make a billion dollars. Yep. If that chance wasn't there, if I, if I was only doing this because I had the chance to eat every day, um, or, well, I guess that's not a good example, but it, if I was only doing this because, um, or, or let's say the reward was, it was only going to be as beneficial as the, uh, collective surviving, then it wouldn't be incentive enough for me to go through the pain that, yeah. it, that it takes. You learn how to code a couple different languages and that's pretty difficult to do. You're right. running a business. Uh, that's very stressful to do. You end up working, um, you know, like every night and every weekend mm -hmm. all the time. And uh, if you find that you can't have any more benefit than what anyone else is going to have, then you'll just end up doing the bare minimum. That's just how people are. Yes. Why would you work harder if you're not going to get more from that? You're relying on people to be selfless, virtuous people and assume that they're going to work and sacrifice their time just for the betterment of society. And the problem is you can't rely on that kind of pe person existing because very few of those kind of people exist. Very rarely are those kind of people going to be the people that want to get into power. And what you'll actually find is that pretty much everyone is going to do the the bare minimum if they're not going to reap any extra benefit for what doing more. I, what I always tell people is you do the math. Yeah, you do it. <laughs> you do it. So the other thing, you know, well, in talking about this ownership thing, being a business owner, it's really interesting to me, you know, Bernie and Warren, I think have put forward like some employee ownership plans, basically, uh, where you had to give, I think it was 20% ownership in these companies. The really interesting thing to me about that is everyone really is only thinking about 10 or 15 companies. We've talked about this before. They're thinking about Amazon, Google, Facebook, Walmart, uh, you know, a bunch of really big companies. And they forget the fact that there's millions and millions of businesses in the US. And people aren't really fighting to be owners of those businesses, really. Um, they just want to be owners of, I guess, the public businesses, which really only a small percentage of those are even profitable. So the way that you know that these people don't want to actually be owners in these businesses is because while they want their checks to go up when the, when the business is profiting, they do not expect their checks to go down when the business is losing mm -hmm. money. And that's what being an owner means. And they want to only have one side of the ownership, which is to get paid a dividend when things are going well. But none of them are going to be okay with money getting taken out of their paycheck when things are not going well. And so that's how you know that they don't actually want to have worker-owned businesses because they do not want the risk side of that ownership. Not only that, but you brought up a good point last night in, in the fact that it's currently not illegal. There's no barriers to entry for any group of people to decide to start a worker owned business. Yeah. So why don't we see any of those? Cause it's a terrible idea. Cause it's a horrible <laughs> idea. Yeah. Otherwise 
it, just like this guy who decided to get a vasectomy, if this is what you <laughs> truly believe in, you go voluntarily find a group of people. You guys all put your money together and start your own work or own business yeah. and see where it goes. I bet it's probably been tried before, but we haven't heard about it because it failed miserably. Yeah, the only way <laughs> <laughs> the only way that this uh, could potentially happen is by seizing control of a business that someone else already started. But the problem is you have to figure out how are you going to have new innovation and creation in the world? How are you not going to make sure that you don't just stay the same forever, or, which is really just going to make you go downhill? Um, you aren't able to start new businesses. You can only do this with something that someone has already put in the risk and created and made profitable. Right. And then you can come in and make your worker ownership. But it is going to be impossible for people to come together and start a new business with um, 10,000 members. Or just look at Walmart. they got 2.3 million employees. So you go ahead and have your 2.3 million employee-owned business. Now, how are they going to make decisions? How are they going to figure out what exactly they're going to do, what exactly they're going to pay, how much they're going to charge for every single product? You know, they what? have you, to have some type of like you know new software developed. I guess so. Everybody can vote. But all those people, and your vote has to be in you know before a certain time. If everyone who worked for Walmart came together and put a hundred dollars into a bank account, what would that be? Two hundred. $200 million, something like that. 200, yeah, $230 million. Yeah. They would have a pretty good amount of money to start a new business at that point in time. They could probably start a pretty good business with $230 million. You know, Facebook was started with $19,000. Apple was started with $1,400. But then you have 2.3 uh, million people to pay. But then you've got <laughs> 2.3 million people. And you've all got to come together and agree on decisions that have to be made in the business. And you know what happens when you first start a business? Um, you lose money. Yeah, you don't get paid for a while. <laughs> yeah, it takes so. what, like it, most businesses, I think like three years before you can start actually cutting yeah. yourself, like making actual profit. And these people don't, see, they don't want the actual ownership of the business. No. They just want the piece of the pie when it's going well. They, you want to do the minimal necessary uh, level of work, let's yeah. say, to get the maximum benefit. Yeah. You know, and they and, want to wait for someone else to take the risk right. for them and then come in and scoop up the profit afterwards. I would guess the the minimal necessary effort yeah. possible. And you but people do this all the time, right? We always say, Oh, the business owner is greedy, but it's like all the workers are greedy too. Yeah. You're like, I want to be paid the highest amount of salary with the most amount of vacation days, the most amount of sick days, the most amount of parental and, and maternity leave. The most amount of benefits, I want to get paid the very most I could possibly get paid while also doing the least amount of projects. Yeah. At least I don't want, I want to only work 30 hour work weeks, not 40. You know, we want, it's, we want to have everything. How is that not greedy? I'll it, never understand that. It is, you know, we're, it's one thing I said last night, which is that we're all just human beings and we're all greedy. The only difference between these evil business owners is that they've made it into a place of power and they have more power to exert uh, more greed, if you want to call it that. But it doesn't mean that all the workers at these companies are just perfect, virtuous, amazing individuals who are just completely selfless and would never do anything to take advantage of anyone ever. It just means that they're not in that position. So the problem is when you convert yourself to a worker-owned business is that you just traded a profit machine for like 
10 people that are trying to squeeze out profit for a profit machine for 2.3 million people that are trying to squeeze out profit. And it's not exactly obvious that those 2.3 million people are going to be better, more virtuous, and more caring people than the other people that were running the company beforehand. Actually, you leave more room for more bad people to exist. I actually just had an epiphany. What's that? Uh, if you want to be in a, if you want to be a part of ownership in your company, um, especially this is possible in publicly traded companies. Just buy shares of your company. Yeah. That's, that's the easiest. Now you're an owner. Yeah. You're a stockholder. Yeah. You have investment. Well, you and know what the funny thing so is? So if you're the, the better your company does, the more your stock goes up. The funny thing is, this is something that like Amazon was offering their employees, by the way, was actual ownership in these businesses. And then they end up uh, deciding that they would rather have the money on the front end Instead of waiting for the money to come in on the back end like an owner does, because they were giving stock as a bonus, as extra compensation for all of their workers. And while their workers were only making like $13 an hour, well, they were also getting stock ownership in the company. And the people. Which was worth way more. Which was worth way more money. That's like being an owner. It is literally being an owner yeah. of the company. You have a vested interest. But they didn't like that. They wanted the money up front which is not what an owner does. Well, actually, you know, some pe some smart people did like it and yeah. they were mad when they went to the $15 an hour minimum because then they lost their stock options. I know, and that's and the so, that's the trade-off you make between being the worker and the owner. The worker gets the money up front. The owner gets money if everything goes okay, mm -hmm. you know? And and the, and they the just owner loses lose money this. if everything doesn't go okay. Yeah. And that's why they should all be okay with receiving stock in the companies as a portion of their compensation. That's actually making you an owner. You remember that story when um, Facebook had that whole, um, what was that, D Data Analytica? The Cambridge uh, thing? The Cambridge Analytica, yep. yeah. And Mark Zuckerberg lost, what, $8 billion of wealth in a matter of like two hours? Yeah. yeah. So, so the owner there lost $8 billion worth of his wealth in about two hours. Now, I think he's gained it all back. I think I'm Facebook, sure. Facebook has come back now. Um, but, and if you had stock in Facebook, you also lost, you know, that percentage of money as well. Yeah. Um, and all the workers that work at Facebook that don't have stock options, they still got the same check. Yeah. They didn't have to share in those losses. No. And this is the, uh, this is the ultimate problem with people like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and all the, the, the ridiculous liars on the left and there's liars on the right. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I guess it's easier to pick on the left yeah, because they offer all these re uh, insane promises. Um, you don't, you actually don't want to be an owner in a company because if you're not willing to take the losses, then you're not willing to be an owner. Yeah. And maybe you just don't have the guts for it and that's okay. We need workers in society too. We, we you have to have them. Yeah. <laughs> right. The, it takes everybody to make the world go around. It does. So, yeah, it's no knock on people who aren't owning their own businesses or anything. Exactly. But, um, well, dude, we got to get out of here. It's noon. We um, do. You gotta you gotta go take your uh, your kid to the doctor and then go to Top Golf. That's right. So uh, anyway, we thank you guys for listening. And to those of you who were watching, the live feed was cut off early. I think because our internet got really bad, which makes me very upset that I decided to wear pants today and then we didn't even 
keep the live video going for very long. Yeah. So that's just too bad. That is too bad. But anyway, guys, go follow us on Instagram. It is at Good Morning Liberty. Follow us on Twitter at Good AM Liberty. Look us up on Facebook, Good Morning Liberty. And go to our website, BernieLies.com, if you want to read some great articles on politics and economics. The other website you can visit that we own uh, and operate as owners, and we keep all of the shares of the money <laughs> that we're not making right, right now off of yeah. these things, is LizLies.com, because we don't want to leave Bernie by himself in the <laughs> lying category. Your other One of your other Democratic frontrunners, Elizabeth Warren, also lies. Is there going to be a, a creepy Joe Biden website? Uh, I don't know. Could you look up the creepy Joe Biden URL, see if that exists? Yeah, we'll look it up. <laughs> We'll see. And uh, when we have time, maybe we'll do something like that. But uh, Elizabeth Warren also lies. And I think she's taken a lot of the of her playbook from Bernie Sanders uh, in his semi successful campaign from 2016. And so go to LizLies.com and check out the exact same thing. The other way uh, that you guys can support us, which all of you have been itching to do. I can't tell you how many comments actually we got last night at MTSU where everybody's like, hey, how do we support the show? How do we sign up for the group? How do we get involved? And there's a couple ways you can do that. We have a link on uh, the show notes. So check out the show notes and that will give you an option to directly support the show, which we very much appreciate. And the second option is everyone wants uh, something in value in return for their hard earned money. And we've given you that option by opening up a shop. So you can go get yourself a hoodie because it's getting chilly outside. Uh, that says it, this is the one that says capitalism is greater than socialism hoodie, right? Uh, we have the shall not be infringed hoodie. And um, yeah, there's another one. I can't remember which one it is. We have a couple hoodies on there. Yeah. But hoodies, t-shirts, coffee mugs, everybody loves that delicious glorified bean water. So drink it out of one of the BernieLies.com mugs. And if you guys do all of that, Leave us a rating and review on iTunes, five stars if you think it's worth it. We will be back again to do this on Monday. It's a short week next week with the holidays coming up, but we will still be available Monday to do this for you live. And I hope you guys have a good day and a good morning, Liberty.